good, very good. So you've picked a great Sunday to join us if you're here for the first time. Last week, uh, as we launched our Operation Highway and Hedges and, and wanted to encourage you to compel people to come, we started what we called Celebration Sunday. We were getting people from our church to get up and give a testimony. Now, we had six lined up. It was very quickly evident that there was no way we were going to get through six. We told everyone five minutes and... Most of you took five minutes to say what your name was. Uh, so we, we don't want to rush it, okay? We want to allow them to share their story. So we're really excited. We've got three more today. If we go a little bit over, you're all right. It's warm in here. The heaters are on. So we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, we'll try and keep them the time limits as best we can. But, you know, they've got, all got a story to share. And so I want to give it, I guess, the honour by giving them the time that they need to share. Is that cool? So we need to stand, because we're going to welcome the first person. They don't know who they are yet. They're all sitting there, the three of them are like... <laughs> Sue Dean is going to be first today. <laughs> Give her a welcome as she comes. <laughs> she was totally ready. I've put you up here today too. I know we were down there, but because there's more people here, we might go from up here. You guys can grab a seat. There we go. <laughs> You gave it all. Yeah, come on. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your awesome love and care for us. Thank you for your eternal patience. And I pray, Lord, that right now you will lead and guide my words, that my words will be your words this morning, and that you will prepare our hearts to hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, okay. Um, praise report was brief. Um, yeah. How long have you got? Um, <laughs> hi, um, for everyone who doesn't know me, my name is Sue. Um, I've been a part of the fellowship. Um, actually, that doesn't, that word just doesn't even fit here. It, it, it does, but... I look at this church as my family. Um, I don't have any family any, anywhere nearby, actually many biological families. So my joy, um, my iron sharpens iron is here. Anyway, um, I really, really quickly, I grew up in Victoria. I'm the daughter of a dairy farmer who, and both my parents were children of dairy farmers. So I'm a farmer. <laughs> if you think, if you think, oh yeah, that's that city chick. Nah, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, so I grew up in Victoria, married a Queenslander, moved to Queensland, moved to Sandthorpe a long time ago. Um, <laughs> And have moved around and done a lot of things. Um, okay, three headings, really quickly. Um, I want. I just want to share with you. Um, my dad. Um, a few weeks ago, Dad's turns eighty-six at the end of this month. He lives in Coffs Harbour. Um, he had a massive heart attack. Um, Pretty scary, but <laughs> he's a miracle. He's a walking miracle. He shouldn't be here. He should be with the Lord right now. Um, but um, I just want to thank you, Lord, that 
even if you're 85 going on 86, God's not finished with you yet. Because <laughs> I said, Dad, well, Dad, you know, you shouldn't be here. Three major arteries, 70 to 90% blocked. Um, and he is, and he survived a massive heart attack. And he didn't have to go to Sydney for bypass surgery because that other put stints in. And, and once he recovers, he's going to be, He's going to be on fire. He's just not going to know himself. There's going to be, he's an evangelist. I look out across Harbour. Um, <laughs> um, I also want to, um, second heading is our um, son, Michael. Um, my husband, John, and I have two son, two children. Um, our eldest is Joanne and our youngest is Michael. They both live in Brisbane. Um, neither of them are walking with the Lord yet. Both of them gave their hearts to Jesus when they were young, um, but have walked away from God. And of course, there's a mother who's a Christian who passionately loves Jesus. It's heartbreaking. But I'm not their only parent because God's on their case. <laughs> Michael um, is, uh, when he was 30, September 2020, um, who remembers that year? Mm. Um, was diagnosed with an aggressive and rare cancer. And try and get your head around that 30 year old cancer just doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, and so it, what, so it began a, a roller coaster ride of bad news and bad news and bad news. But in amongst all of the, the, the bad news that, that was happening in the flesh, in, in his body, was God. God. I, look, I could I could stand here for half an hour and tell you the stories of the way that God loved on Michael, mm -hmm. provided for him, took care of him, <laughs> even while Michael was going, yeah. The... Um, just one example was just not long after he was diagnosed. Um, they were, uh, he and his girlfriend were actually were living in a, uh, a rental in Brisbane and they loved it. They loved that place. But it was at Mount Gravatt and um, Michael was going to get um, treatment at the Princess Alexandra Hospital. Ashley works at the Princess Alexandra Hospital. So they were like half an hour out of, out of the, um, away from the hospital at least in good traffic. Um, and then they heard the news that the owner wanted to sell the house and they had to leave. It's like, no, Lord, this is too much. We're just, we're still, you know, this, this diagnosis has just landed. Um, and now you, now we have to, we, he has to move. Now he has to try and find another place and we don't know what the future's going to look like. We don't know how sick he's going to be. We don't know, I mean, you know, he's going to have to leave his job. God provided a townhouse, 
10 minutes from the hospital. Like he, he, you can see the hospital from the balcony. Um, it, it, was it is expensive, but um, his, Michael's boss, single, sole trainer, young man, not much older than Michael, has been amazing. And somehow found extra leave and paid Michael his leave that year. Mike had just taken three weeks holiday that year. Um, and he just kept paying Michael for as long as possible. Mike wasn't working, he couldn't work. Um, and then the one the week came when the boss phoned and said, Michael, I can't keep paying you, I'm so sorry. But a week later, the income protection insurance kicked in. Wow. So. Just that's just they're just very brief examples. What I really want to talk to you about, though, is the battle. The battle that I've been through of fear over faith. Mm -hmm. As humanly. Speaking, I could, you know, like the head goes, what's going on here? How, how does this happen? How does a 30-year-old healthy young man come down with something that is threatening his life? And it wasn't just like in a normal run-of-the-mill kind of cancer, if there is such a thing. It was this weird, rare, nasty button. They're all nasty. They're all nasty. And then there was this battle, like, I've got to have faith. 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 But, 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 but. Fear, 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 fear. I've got to, I've got to, yeah, yeah. You know, that we want to do something as humans. We want to do, 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 do. What's wrong with me if I can't just automatically have faith? What's wrong with me? God loves me even when I'm not where I think he wants me to be. Yeah, God loves me even when I think I'm failing him. Mm. Even when I think I haven't got it together. He loves you. He loves me. He's eternally patient with me. Um, so I'm going to leave Michael's story. Oh, except there's some really good news, um, which I promised Peggy I'd update her, update us on. <laughs> um, so Mike went through intensive treatment, and, and, and um, in about November last year, he had some PET scans, and they said, "Well, we can't actually find the cancer." Can't find it. So that was exciting. Then a few weeks later, he's breathless, he's in pain, he's coughing, and the cancer had come back in his lung. And he spent all of Christmas, all of New Year in hospital. Um, devastation. And then we found out 
only maybe four some weeks ago, um, the insurance company contacted him again and said, well, you know, what's your prognosis, what's going on? Mike provided some paperwork to the doctors and the doctors put the T word on that paper, the T word being terminal. Um, the doctor's opinion was that Mike is not going to survive this cancer. Yeah, but God. <laughs> and look, as I say this, I'm so, so aware that this church has journeyed with another family in this same journey. And my heart breaks, continues to break for that family. And, and um, I just want to keep them in mind and keep loving that family. Yeah. Um, in April, Michael had another CT scan. And we don't have the full detailed results yet, but... Um, he had an, a hospital appointment last week. That's why I didn't talk last week, because God had more info coming. Um, and Mike actually saw the images himself, and he said, January CT scan, his lung was full, 40% full. And we don't know whether we don't yet know whether that was fluid, whether that's cancer, but the fluid is caused by cancer. So he was in that way. He couldn't walk up steps. He was in that way. Um, his they gave him really intensive radiation, which you know knocks out the last of the immune system. And um, the CT scan in April might said, I saw the image and it was the, the space that that gunk was taken up in his lung was about 5 to 10%. The cancer's reversed. It's gone. It's gone. It's going. Hallelujah. Come on, guys. The cancer that wasn't was supposed to take him out has gone backwards. It's not as significant as it was. Um, and um, long story, but Ashley Michael um, just recently went to Melbourne and um, came back and Michael was feeling a little bit under the weather, a little bit sick, um, you know. And then Ashley came down with it and Michael threw it off in a couple of days. What? Yeah. Somebody who's supposed to have no immune system. Oh my goodness. So, back in, back in early in the year, I, could, I was not coping. I could not cope with, and I was struggling and I was fighting. And I said, Lord, every time I look to you, I have peace. So what am I fighting about? And so I began this practice of every morning, as soon as I woke up, I'd say, thank you, Lord, for taking care of Michael. Yeah. I hand him to you. Yeah. Thank you for his healing. 
I was walking in faith, walking in trust. Okay, that's Michael. <laughs> How am I going? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. Now, as as Pastor Jeremy has said, um, we are we decided that um, we wanted to run this marriage course, um, and honestly, I'm so excited about it because of the journey that myself and my husband and I have been through. Um, just a little bit of um, I am a counsellor. Um, a, professional registered counsellor. I've had my own practice um, for 12 years. I've done a lot of work with couples, a lot of work with people who are in various stages of their relationship. Um, I'm also the child of divorced parents. Um, my parents divorced when, um, yeah, my late teens was not a nice time. Um, and so I'm very, I guess I've seen the whole story. I've seen the story of broken marriages. I've seen the story of restored marriages. And the restored marriage is my first-hand experience. Um, and and my, my husband's as well. Four years ago this month, I was packing up my house. I, pack, I, I put my business on on hold, I'd shut it down, and I was packing up my house to move to Brisbane. I had made the decision that I couldn't stay in my marriage any longer. I had been walking through mud, through quicksand. This was my perspective at the time. For over 10 years, I'd done a lot of work. I had done a lot of work. I knew what had to happen. He had to change. He wouldn't change. Sound <laughs> <Is that> for me? <laughs> um, but it got to the point where it was, it, it just seemed like it was just completely unhealable. We just, I just didn't know what else to do. I thought I had tried everything. And so I left. And I can't, I can't put in words the rawness of the pain that I went through um, and the excruciating agony. But it was a time of wrestling with grief and God saying, here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am, here I am. Ad nauseum, well, ad nauseum, but I needed it. <laughs> Every little bit of comfort and reassurance that God provided, I needed. Um, but it got to a point where God started wrestling with me and I had to look at what I was doing. Mm that was contributing to this broken marriage. Ouch. Ouch. Um, after five months, I came home and the, the battle continued. It was, it was, I have never 
in my life been through such an intensive spiritual warfare. It was intense. God did a work in us. God gave us, led us to some things that were really pivotal in helping us to understand what was going on with us and what we needed to heal, to understand, and to heal, and to heal, and to heal. It took, it's taken some time, but as I stand here today, I can tell you that my marriage, our marriage, 40 years we've been together, is better than it's ever been. Thank you. We're not done yet. There's still a lot of work to do, but my goodness, I'm, I'm just loving the loving. I'm loving that God is in this space. I want to share some verses with you because if your marriage is struggling, if you are in a time of your life where there are challenges that feel like they're beyond your capacity to manage, to cope with. Can I encourage you to take heart? Um, one of the verses that just wouldn't go away, no matter how much I wanted it to, <laughs> was, a lot, was Isaiah 26, um, 3 and 4. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever, because the Lord, the Lord himself, is an everlasting rock. Um, I won't read, I've got so many, I could just go on and on and on, but I want to share with you three things, the strategies that God gave me. Um, thank you. While I was in Brisbane wrestling, this is, this is the very simple strategies that God gave me. And you probably can't read that, but they say trust, praise, and wait or wait praise and trust or praise trust and wait it doesn't matter what order you put them in just trust the Lord have faith put the legs on that faith and trust him praise God because Satan hates our praise because praise puts God on the throne in our lives and when God's on the throne things happen wait on him. Wait, wait, wait. I had to keep saying, Lord, but my human understanding and all my human training and this, 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 and he'd say, wait on me. No, Lord, but wait. Trust, 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 trust. And so the battle continued, but 
when I put my eyes on God and off me and off what I'm feeling, then God moves. Even if I can't see it, God moves. Okay. Ah, oh, there's so much more I could say, but can I can I do a little spiel on the on the group? Just two minutes. One minute. One minute. <laughs> what can you expect if you sign up to come into the Marriage Essentials group? What can you expect? You can expect somebody who was going to sit sit with you with understanding, listening to you with care. Um, you're not going to get any judgment because I've pretty much heard everything um, and it doesn't matter what's happened anyway, I'm going to love on you because Jesus has loved me and forgiven me. Yeah. You're also going to be expect to be challenged because we are not going to, your marriage is not going to heal if I sit there and stroke you gently. Right? God wrestled with me. I wrestled with God, but the breakthrough came. Um, and the group's going to be what the group will be, right? I, I, we've got the we've got the DVDs as a structure, but I, my head's going, okay, we could do that, we could do this, and so I've got all these other resources that we can bring in um, as the group needs it. So, um, and guys, if you think, oh, well, she's a woman, you know, she's going to be on the woman's side, no. Part of the joy of my work is that I get to sit with men who are wanting change in their lives. And I've journeyed with a number of men who have really put themselves on the line and just said, I need to do better. And that's been one of the joys of my work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, you know it's, it's about God. God's principles and God's way of doing things. Thank you. I better, I better pull it up there. Can we give Sue a big hand? She's so grateful. Can I add to what you can expect uh, at that night is not to sit there and share your deepest, darkest secrets with what's going on. You're not going to be embarrassed. Uh, it's a safe environment and a safe place. And there'll be times when you'll break off and talk couple to couple as well. So you're not going to be there talking about private matters publicly. Does that make sense? You will be challenged, uh, but in a safe environment. Just, just want to make that clear as well. Sometimes we stay away from those things because we're like, oh, I don't want someone's finger pressed on there publicly or there. It's a safe room. Cool? Thanks again, Sue. That was really awesome. Thanks for sharing. And um, that's all right, because now Alex got about two minutes to share. But that's okay. Alec Coombs, give him a big welcome. Thank you. Uh, good morning, church. My name's Alec, and I'd just like to share a testimony on how Jesus del delivered me out of a very dark area of my life and set my feet upon solid ground. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, just bear with me as I pray. Father, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you all the glory. Father, I pray that you would be with me. Lord, that you would strengthen me. Lord, that you would encourage my soul to present the uh, testimony to those that, ne that haven't heard it. Lord, I just pray that this testimony would uh, encourage souls in Jesus' name. Yeah. Father, Lord, at the end of the day, this is not to glorify me, but it is to glorify you. In yeah. Jesus' name, Father, I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.
Alright, I grew up in a Christian home. My mum would always tell me about God. I was coming to this church when I was about 12 years old, while Pastor Ben Kent was hosting the youth group. Ben would always speak to me about God. When we were out camping, bowling, and in the youth, and in, and in the youth hub, both mum and Ben brought inspiration into my soul to seek after God. I started to pursue God, and I started to grow in a relationship with Jesus at the age of 12. Soon after, I was baptised in this church by Pastor Ben Kent. I was in God's presence. I experienced his love, his peace, and his joy. I believed in Jesus. I understood what he did for me on the cross. Eternal life was residing in me. Amen. There was a powerful moment I once had with God that I'll never forget. And that was when my friends were heading to the pool. Remember this, Mum? But I had no money, so my friends went ahead of me and went to the pool. I started walking home to ask my mum for some money, but at that time my mother was struggling financially. I, and I had doubts of getting any money from her. I looked to God and I asked if he could give me money. My faith was so strong and I believed he could pull off that miracle. I, I had made a promise to God that if he did, I'd complete, I would completely live my life for him all the days of my life. So I kept walking home and to the right of me, I saw a plastic bag flying across the cricket field. Oh, sorry. Then God shouted into my spirit and said, get it. I ran towards that plastic bag like I was running in a 200 meter sprint. <laughs> in that plastic bag was $6.50. Just enough for me to get into the pool, buy a hot dog and a drink. I was so blessed that day. Yeah. <laughs> But I didn't keep my promise to God. Not long after, I fell into the wrong crowd and I felt in my heart, God convicted me not to go into that direction because he knew that bad company would corrupt my character. Sadly, I kept quenching God's spirit and it felt like he gave me over to what I wanted. In my heart, I still loved God but I wanted to feel and be accepted by this new crowd of friends. So I did what they did. This lifestyle led me into addiction. I was smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, popping pills, smoking amphetamines, taking acid trips and getting high on magic mushrooms. I had to feed my addiction. So I started growing weed, stealing weed, crops, doing armed robberies, assaulting people, stealing cars and breaking into homes and stealing valuables. Addiction stole my heart and completely changed me into someone I wasn't. My heart grew cold and I didn't care about the choices I was making or the people I was hurting emotionally and physically. I continually lived that lifestyle for years, not caring about the stuff that I was doing. I had no remorse. At the time, I was suffering with mental illness that was either caused from my sinful lifestyle, childhood trauma, or passed on through my family line. My depression and anxiety seemed to be getting worse as the years went by. The love, peace and joy I once felt in God's presence was replaced with emptiness, sorrow and regret. I had a void in my heart and I kept trying to fill it with the stuff of this world. I tried filling that emptiness in my heart with money, success, many countless jobs, cars, entertainment, partying, black magic, drugs and acceptance and many other material things. 
But none of that, but none of that filled the emptiness deep down in my soul. It gave me temporary satisfaction for a moment, but it just left me feeling empty than I was before. My life had gotten so dark and cloudy that I completely forgot about the relationship I once had with Jesus 12 years ago. As the days went by, the more broken I felt, to the point I started to desire death. I had a desire to commit suicide. And it was only at that point in my life that I noticed God was trying to get my attention. He spoke to me in many ways, through people, through dreams, and to me personally. On the 23rd of April 2016 was one of my biggest turning points of my life. I received a call from one of my mates asking if I wanted to come out to party. But at that time I had been clean for two months and I was trying to stay away from people associated with drugs. That night I gave in to temptation and I went out to party. When I got there, I was given two ecstasy pills that were laced with LSD. I took those pills and one hour later, I went into a trip that I'll never forget. I was in the great tribulation period and the rapture had just occurred. I was convinced that all the people I loved had been taken and their bodies were possessed by demons. I was, I was heartbroken because I had been left behind. This trip lasted for about 24 hours. I knew from that moment that God was calling me. The next morning I woke up and pulled out my dusty Bible from my bedside table. I opened it up and I went straight to the Gospel of Matthew. As soon as I started reading, a warm tingly presence rested on me. I was in tears and feeling hopeful. I read through the Gospel from the New Testament in just three days. For the next three weeks I continually read the same scriptures over and over again. I was still feeling suicidal, but I, was, but I also had a strong desire for Jesus. I continued to read my Bible and talk to Jesus and study about Christianity. Not long after, God then led me to church. I started attending the Vineyard Christian Church where I was inspired by two amazing pastors, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Anita. At the end of the service, Pastor Jeremy asked if anyone would like to give their lives to Jesus. I lifted my hand up while Pastor Jeremy led the congregation into a prayer of salvation. That night I woke up at 1am and went to grab a drink of water. As I was walking back to my room, the Holy Spirit was standing at the front of my bedroom door. I rubbed my eyes, but this white figure was still in front of me. It looked just like a human, but in spirit form. Sorry. I leant over to touch it, and as I moved my hand, it walked into me. I took two steps backwards and fell back on my seat. I instantly went from feeling really depressed and suicidal to feeling like heaven just entered into me. Love, peace, and joy was overtaking my soul. The walls and the ceilings and the floorboards in my house turned blood red. And there was black crucifixion crosses everywhere in my house. This was confirmation that salvation had come. Yeah. <sighs> that night I was set free from my addictions, my regrets and my sorrows. And I never touched drugs again. There was one person that was with me through it all. And that was my wife, Katie. 
I wasn't the only one that suffered through this. I dragged my wife through my pain as well. I am so, I, and I am, and I was so blessed to have her by my side through it all. She did all she could for me. She comforted me, looked after me, and tried her best to keep my head above water. She did all that she could, and I'm very thankful. Her sitting here is a miracle and a testimony in itself. I'd just like to share a Bible verse now. Psalm 40, uh, verse 1 to 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Amen. Thank you. You can breathe now. <laughs> you did so well. I just love hearing how everyone's different, right? The same last week. We had different people presenting and they got different. But but just such a blessing to hear your story, mate. And, and we give God all the glory and all the honour for what he's done in your life. This guy's an evangelist machine now. Like he has got a story and he's not afraid to share it. And uh, you're going to see many souls yeah. come to the kingdom because of what you've been through and what you're able to share. So let's give him just one more hand. So we have one more person that's going to share today, and he has a great name. His name is Jeremy. But it's not me, it's, it's Jeremy. Give him a hand as he comes. He's going to share. Good to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Then to your next one, side side you and say, You are in the right place. <laughs> You're in the, the right, right people in the right time. <laughs> yes. Amen. Amen. It's good to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm really thank God this morning to be part of in the church as a family. It's really hard to live here. A whole year without family and to be part of like Finnair Church, it's really a blessing to me. Mm. And recently, a couple of months ago, like I don't have any visa, I don't have any contract to work in Queensland. Part of it, Pastor Jeremy always already mentioned it the last couple of Sundays ago. But I'm really thank God that I managed to go back in the city season, go back to where I'm supposed to work and then now I'm working. Because we are saving a miracle working God. Amen? Amen. If He can do it for me, He can do it also for you. Yeah. This story is so getting my visa is already expired on November 25th last year. And I'm living in Australia illegal for four months. Which is someone who loves the Lord, you don't need to do that. Amen? Yeah. You have to live illegal in other different country or even in around the world you can go. You have to have a valid visa to stay on the particular country or the nation. For me, I'm living here four months illegal. 
But I'm thankful for Pastor Jeremy, who know the CEO of the I Comply, and led me there, and he was able to apply for a visa for 18 months for me to work again in Queensland. It's a blessing. Amen. Amen. And I've signed a new contract, a letter of over, and I've signed an application for a new visa. If you know the Lord, you love God, things will come automatically good for you. Amen. I saw here that they share the testimony some of the last Sundays. If God can do it for them and for me, then He can do it for you. Yes. We are serving a big God. Yes. The God of impossible. Amen? Yes. The God who delivered Israelites from the slavery land of Egypt. He can deliver you. Yes. And I stand here to declare it that I'm serving the God who was alive. Yes. It's not a dead God. Yeah, come on. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm starting here just to give him glory and honor to what God has done in my life for making everything possible for me to work here in Australia. It's really hard. But I'm staying at the point of like, you don't have any visa, you are ready to deported back to your country. This is where I'm at at the moment. But now I'm thank God I'm back in the scheme again to work. Before I drop my seat this morning, I want to ask my two friends just to sing you a song and this expression of my heart to God this morning. And if you want to see the heart of God in Psalms 34, verses 8, says, Oh, test and see that the Lord is good. Amen. If you don't test the Lord here, you don't see the goodness of God here, come test and see that the Lord is good. You wonder every morning you wake up. I just want to ask one question here this morning. How many of us wake this morning and you find your breath? How many of us sitting under this roof this morning? You sleep, wake up in the morning and you find, where is my breath? Go. <laughs> no one. Amen? Yes. That reminds us that God is still on His throne and remember His own. He does every day and every single moment in life as you wake up, He's still on His throne. He still remember His own. And I was saying in my own daily in Malaita. I have to go back to drums. <laughs>